0: Well, Brett, you know, you can kick off tonight. Just Tell us a bit about what's going on with the Sunday Night Street teams. We've been going out for almost six months now, and tonight you went somewhere new. And then you've got two testimonies as well from the guys who went out and preached tonight. Yeah.
1: Well, tonight we uh, basically we kicked off from the 9 a.m. service where John Glass was just talking about the Holy Spirit and humility. So we started uh, the prayer meeting just focusing on the Holy Spirit and the authority of the Holy Spirit. And how nothing happens without the Holy Spirit. And to, all the, all, to, to God the Holy Spirit be all the glory. That God doesn't share his glory with any man. And that, that where the Holy Spirit's acting, there's healing, there's deliverance, there's salvation. No one can say that Jesus is Lord by the Holy Spirit. So we just sort of got back to that place and fellowship. And by the God's grace, the Holy Spirit came in. And then we went out. Now, uh, we changed locations uh, just through the week. I felt so,
0: so the Holy Spirit led you to a new place? So tell us
1: what happened. Tell us
0: what the Holy Spirit was doing when you went to this new place.
1: Yeah, well, through the week, I was seeking the Lord about, uh, just about changes and stuff. Um, so, yeah, I followed a prompting uh, to go to Queensway. So when we got down to Queensway, we uh, sort of then went into the park and we had a the, the, the boy, uh, boy playing the flute. And that was just quite pleasant, people sitting on the seats. And, yeah, we just engaged with people. There wasn't any, any real preaching just one on one connections. And yeah, through that, we, um, I think we had four decisions with our team. Yeah, so we thank God for that. And. So this guy
0: was just playing the flute as the music was going on, and four
1: people in the midst of that flute playing gave their lives to Jesus. Yeah, it was awesome. Like, what we found a lot of the kids, little kids, like the real little kids were just running up and like drawing their families over to the flute. One little girl, she just sat right down in front of her, just like, look, Mummy, she was just fascinated by it. But there was a real sort of atmosphere that was created. Um, actually run into somebody's sister who works at KT. Uh, she would try to pray for her sickness, but she sort of knew better. A lot of people do. Well, I think they do. But, um, yeah, so uh, Fran's actually got an awesome testimonial.
0: Well, let's welcome Fran to And Samuel, you've got a testimony as well tonight. So let's bring you. Let's welcome them as they come right now. So Francois, you know, I know that you've been on the XE course and uh, you quickly just explained that something happened on the street tonight but you were using the XE material. So tell us how you use the XE material, what that is, the evangelism training that's happening on Sundays at the Coronet and, and what re- how do they respond?
2: Yeah. Um, sorry, this is Samuel. We were partnering up tonight and uh, I used one of the stories. Um, first, I spoke to like two, two blokes, introduced myself and they were, they were Muslim from a Muslim background. And uh, out of the three stories, I just felt the Lord said to me like, use the story of the general so basically the story of the general is they were in in a war and uh, somebody was stealing their rations their food rations and the lieutenant let the general know about that and he was very upset and he's like well we got to do something about that go back to the men and the families and let them know that this person when he gets caught he's going to get their justice will be done he will be whipped he will be severe punished in front of everybody and so the lieutenant went forward and, and he let this message he let everybody know and then a few weeks later, the lieutenant come back and he said, General, General, I've got good news. He said, we've caught the thief, but I've got bad news. It's your mother. But the general being a man of justice and a man of his word, and the men look up to him because they believe in him, he had to stay on his word. And uh, as the day came where his mum was going to get whipped and she was tied down, and as the guy pulled his hand to give that first whip, he said, Stop and he took off his shirt, and he took a place, and he took a punishment. And that's how we connected with these guys on their level, saying this is what God did for us. You know, sin is what separates us from him. That, you know, and this is what, why Jesus came, why he took our punishment on on the cross, you know, so to bring us back into relationship with the Father. And, uh, you know, I also shared the DVD story. There's, There's various, there's about three different stories. And, uh, we can't go into tonight because it's very long.
0: But tell us, what was the result
2: of that story? Well, of this, this specific story it was not a salvation, but it was a, a seed sown. Like, someone, they walked away there, and it's like, I've never thought about it like that. I never thought about it like that. And they, they walked away. And then Samuel, we were still carrying on with another bloke, but Samuel can share that.
3: So tell us, Samuel, what happened then? Yeah, well, I just want to say thanks. I'm glad I joined the team today. It's my first time. And, um, Congratulations. Congratulations. <laughs> Anyway, there was this guy, uh, Charles, and he was um, jogging, and he was the last person we spoke to, actually. Yeah, yeah. And I went up to him, and I just said, hi, how are you doing, you know, just trying to make friends with him and everything. And um, I asked him a question, if you were to die tonight, right now, where would you go? And he didn't have a clear answer for that, you know. And um, we just got talking and everything, and started talking about Jesus Christ and everything else, and asked him as a Christian. And I asked Francois to kick in there, because obviously it's my first time. And he told that story, and that was an awesome story. And this guy was listening and everything else, and he was very, very, you know, he was, he can tell that he was thinking about what we were saying. And we spoke to him about the church coming down, come down tonight and come and worship with us. And at the end, I thought, actually, I asked the guy, I thought, before you go, have you ever uh, felt the joy of the Lord in your heart before? And the guy, he thought about it and he thought, actually, no, I haven't felt the joy of the Lord before. And I asked him, have you ever, you never asked him to come into your life before? He said, no. Would you like to do it today? And, and he said, yeah, so for Frank, good stuff. So um, he um, uh, Francois led the prayer, and he prayed, and he was excited, and he gave his life. And he felt like a great weight has come up his shoulder. It was really good. Wow,
0: that's awesome. Let's give it up for Jesus in this place tonight. Hallelujah. God bless you guys for that consistency.
4: Well, we were expecting our General Superintendent, John Glass, to uh, be ministering tonight. He ministered at our 9 o'clock service. Anybody there? I know you were, Brett. Very powerfully. But after the 9 o'clock service, he took it ill. And um, we don't believe it's anything serious or anything like that, but he just wasn't well. And so um, we thought it best that he go home and rest. And so keep him in your prayers that he recovers. He's already recovering, but um, there we go. So um, uh, he'll come back. He'll minister to us again soon. Next week, uh, he's he's got a schedule. But anyway, we'll we'll, we'll get get him here. So we we enjoy having him. Um, Just to say happy Father's Day to any fathers. Got any fathers in the house? Any new fathers Christian in the house? Amen. Your first Father's Day? Amen. And um, we have some Father's Day pens. The children gave them out. uh, We gave them out to the children earlier on. And these are Kensington Temple, Happy Father's Day. And not only are they pens, but also at the top, they have something you can use on like iPads and things like that, that you can do So that's good, isn't it? It's better than what the mother's got, isn't it? No, it's not. No, the mother's got wonderful Kensington Temple phone holders. Phone holders. I like the pen. So. If you're a father and you uh, haven't had a pen, we've got some of these at the end of the service or while we're ministering, you can come up and get a Holy Ghost Father's Day pen from us just down here at the corner. So that's good. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> He's got two now, yeah. one Wonderful. Next month is a very special month. I just want to sow the seed. Um, Not this Sunday, but next Sunday is going to be the launch of our Missions Month. Now, if you've been at KT any length of time, you know that we're a missions church. Can anybody tell me what the mission statement of London City Church is? Yeah. What a blessing. London and the world for Christ. And uh, we have got our heart for many different nations, We've got 109 different nations in our London City Church network. But as you know, those of you that are with us, we do have a strong burden for overseas nations. And uh, Colin spearheads this. Sometimes we, uh, well, we don't allow him. <laughs> I was going to say we allow him, like he asks permission, but, but we release him so that he can go to the nations of the world. And when he goes to the nations of the world, he doesn't normally go to, you know, the big conferences. He's often invited to big Christian conferences, but he prefers to go where the need is greatest in Islamic nations and nations that really need encouragement with persecuted believers. And so, but this month, we're going to really focus on missions because we want to take it to another level. So the five o'clock service is going to be teaching from different people on missions in the Bible, but also all the great missionary moves in church history. The 2.30 is going to have a focus. We're going to bring some of our missions people from France and Italy. They're going to come and, uh, and um, tell us, and um, Brazil, and tell us about what's happening in our missions out there and minister to us. We're going to have special prayer meetings, half-night of prayer. We're doing a prayer booklet right now that features all the places in the world that are currently on our heart from God. And then there's going to be a a monthly, daily prayer into those things. Cells are already organizing different fundraising events for the month of um, July. And if, if you want to do something, if you want to do a sponsored something for missions in July, then speak to your cell leader, and, and there's going to be lots of that going on. Prayer, release, missions, getting ready so that we can take it. Also, getting a heart for missions. We have, for example, on a kind of a revival times, um, at the back of the revival times, we're preparing you for mission. So, on the 6th of July, We have a whole day, it's free, it's for you, with Jay Smith on understanding Islam and ministering to Muslims, not just abroad, but also here in London. Uh, We have also um, from OM, ever heard of George Verwer from Operation Mobilization? One of the greatest missionary movements of the current era. Sending thousands of people into the unreached nations of the world. George Vo has been doing, I think he's in his late 60s or 70s now. He's got the fire of God for world mission. He's going to come for a whole day and he's going to challenge us to take things to the next level. It's going to be fun. It's going to be invigorating. Jesus said, go into the world. I'll tell you what, some of these evangelists that are going into Notting Hill Gate... They'll be getting on a plane soon going into the world. We're we're going to really get there. We're going to encourage everybody to get a heart for world mission. And then we're going to increase the opportunities for people to pray, give, and go to these places. Some of the cell groups, we're going to encourage cell groups to adopt some of the nations that we are focusing on. So it's going to be an exciting time uh, uh, in that. So I just wanted to mention that because that's coming up in a couple of weeks and uh, the launch is on the 30th, Sunday the 30th of this month, going into July. A special emphasis on missions. Well, I uh, got a message I'm going to bring to you today. I didn't think I was ministering tonight. Um, normally, what I've been doing is seeking God, seeking the Holy Spirit for a message for you and last couple of weeks we've spoken on the eagle and uh, how god renews our strength like the eagle and then last week we spoke about how to handle our Isaacs making sure that we're moving in the spirit and uh, and everything like that and i hadn't sought the lord maybe if i'd sought the lord he would have told me get ready but don't worry about that because i'm going to share with you what i've been studying for my life This week, and hopefully, it'll be a bit of a blessing. Then we're going to move into some time of moving in the anointing because I don't just study the Bible uh, for Sunday meetings, I also study the Bible for myself. I have a daily reading plan, speaking tongues on a daily basis, etc. But also, I study the Word of God for myself. I go back into some of the great um, preachers of the past and I read and study their sermons. At the moment, just for your interest, if you're interested in it, at the moment, I've gone uh, past R.T. Kendall. I've gone past him to his successor, but I've gone past his successor, as, I mean, not his successor, his predecessor, who was uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones. I've gone past Martin Lloyd-Jones at the moment to his predecessor, Campbell Morgan, who was um, also a minister of Westminster Chapel, and then Martin Lloyd-Jones took it on, and then R.T. Kendall took it on. So I've got all his sermons that he preached at the Westminster Pulpit. And so what I do is, uh, not every day, but every couple of days, I'll pull out one of his sermons, and I'll study it, and I'll learn from it, and I'll be ministered to it. And so this week, I was studying one of his sermons. This is my sermon, but it's based on some of the things that God was ministering to me and that I was working out in my life. So I'm going to share that with you tonight. I hope that's okay. And then next week, I'll be seeking the Holy Spirit from tomorrow for something for you. But maybe this is for you too. Well, we're going to find out, aren't we? So in Luke chapter 2, verse 52... It's the last sentence or the last verse that speaks about Jesus's childhood. We've had an amazing time hearing about the birth of Jesus and how he was born and protected by God. And then we know that he was in the temple in uh, Jerusalem and he stayed there when the parents traveled home and they wondered where he was. And he said, well, didn't you know that I would be in my father's house? And then we we read that he was obedient to his parents. And Luke 2.52 says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And the next thing we find out after that is when Jesus, after John the Baptist, the next thing we hear, John the Baptist's ministry, and then Jesus is coming to John to be baptized. He's ready for his ministry. So that fills quite a bit Big gap, doesn't it, in Jesus' life? What was going on between when he was a little boy after the temple, when he stayed in the temple teaching? What happened all those years? What was going on? Well, the Bible just tells us that he increased in wisdom, stature, and favor with God and man. I pray that that happens to us. I pray that that happens to every one of us that's here, everyone that's watching. On, on the TV, Every, that we will increase. And I pray that this will become your prayer, that you'll say, Lord, may I increase in wisdom and stature and favor, firstly with you. Isn't that wonderful? That you can increase in stature and favor with God. At the 5 o'clock service, we're going through uh, the book of James, and we're going to suspend that just for July because of the missions and then come back to it. And we, were, and we were talking about how Abraham, although he was saved in Genesis chapter 15, when God says, look at the stars, you're going to have a, a descendants like that. And Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. He got saved. He was justified by faith at that moment. But it wasn't until Genesis 22 that we saw the mature Abraham finally get to the place where he trusted God enough to take his Isaac and be prepared to sacrifice it, knowing that because God had said Isaac would be his, uh, through Isaac, his descendants would come, he knew that if he sacrificed and killed Isaac, God would just have to raise him up from the dead. Because Romans chapter 4 tells us, I've mentioned this many times, and I'll mention it many times again, who is the God that Abraham worshipped? He was twofold. He is the God that gives life to the dead, and he is the God that calls those things that are not as though they are. I tell you what, if you just get the revelation on those two points in Romans chapter 4, it will take you far. It will take you far. But he got to that place of maturity. And he had favor, not only with men, but favor with God. And so that's what we want. We want, to be, we want God to call us his friend like Abraham was called God's friend. We're his children. If, you believe, if you're a believer here tonight... You're a child of God, but that doesn't mean that you're a friend of God. Abraham was a child of God, but he had to grow into friendship with God. And what is the difference between a child of God and a friend of God? Obedience. I was mentioning earlier at the five o'clock, sorry if you were at the five, I'm just recapping here, but it's important. I was mentioning at the five that, uh, that on Father's Day, you can be a son of, of a father, but it doesn't mean that you're necessarily your father's friend, Correct. And you could have sons that are biological sons of the Father, but they're not friends. They don't even know each other sometimes. So, you can be a son of God, child of God, daughter of God, and yet not a friend. So, God wants us not just to be His children, He wants us to be our friends. And a child, a son of God is just by faith, but a friend of God, a friend of God is obedient. And that's what Abraham was when he sacrificed Isaac. He was called obedient, a friend of God. And when we do what God asks us to do, and I'll come to this in a bit, when we walk with him and grow with him and mature with him and grow in wisdom and stature with God, we will become his friends. And also, people will see us and say, God is with you. Don't you want people to look at your life and say, God is with you? That doesn't mean that everything will always go well. But even when it doesn't go well, God is with you. And not just you know it, but people begin to see it. It becomes a testimony. Friendship with God. Obey the Lord. Grow in your obedience and you'll grow in your friendship. You'll grow in your stature. God will, will look at you as a child and say, look who's growing up. You know, you do that as a parent. Look who's growing When I think of the father's days over the year with my kids, and now I look at them, my son's bigger than me. Finished his exams. Be seeing a bit more of him on Sunday evenings. He's big of me, He's like, and he's like, happy Father's Day, Dad. <laughs> oh, thanks, Jake. Look who's grown up. Well, God wants to wants us to grow in stature. That He says what, that God will say to us, Wow, look at you this year in 2013. Look how you're growing up. Look, look how you're walking. You're not crawling anymore in the things of God. You're walking, running. Your stature with God is growing. Isn't that wonderful that you can grow in stature? God can say, I can trust you a bit more. I can give you a bit more to do. I can pour out a little bit more anointing on you. I can trust you. You're not going to blow up. You're walking. I'm pleased with you. This is my son, my daughter. Not just this is my son, my daughter, but this is my son, my daughter, in whom I am well pleased. The first Father's Day in the New Testament when Jesus got baptized. And God said, this is my son, my beloved, in whom I'm well pleased. And God wants that with us to grow with stature and favor with God. Wow. You you can increase in favor with God. Now, God loves us and cares for us whether we're obedient or disobedient because we're his kids. How many of you know when you're a parent, your kids are your kids, whatever. Whether they become prime minister pastor of a great church, or whether they end up in prison, they're your kids. Nothing changes that. They can bring you great delight, and they can bring you great pain. But once once they're your child, you're always your child. And it's the same with God. But you can grow with favor with God. What does that mean? It means that as you walk with Him and learn and grow with Him, He will be pleased with you. And the pleasure of God is an amazing thing. You know, you've tasted of it the times when you've gone God's way, when you could have gone another way, but you you were obedient, you went God's way. And then at the end of that test, of that trial, you come out, and something on the inside, you feel pleased with yourself, don't you? Not in an arrogant way. You think, I'm really pleased that I did the right thing. And sometimes, even if you do the right thing and it doesn't happen like you'd like it, sometimes just doing the right thing is enough. That knowledge in your heart, I did my best for God. I did what's right. You know, God takes pleasure in that type of action, in that type of attitude. But not only was Jesus growing in wisdom and stature and favor with God, may that, ha- may that happen to you. May that happen to you. May that be a prophetic word for some of you to take and to pray and to work and say, you know what, I'm going to go from tonight and I'm going to intentionally grow in stature and favor and wisdom in God. I'm going to learn. I'm going to grow. Some of you might even come early on a Sunday sometimes and learn from the Word of God as we do teaching services, many ways of doing this, but not only with God, but with men. Jesus, the attraction of Jesus to human beings was both magnetic and magnificent. No one had crowds like Jesus had crowds. He was incredibly attractive. Everybody wanted to be around him, at least to, be, to begin with. Everybody wanted to see him. I mean, you know, when he was a boy in Nazareth, this is, this is the time that it's talking about, that he grew with wisdom, favor, stature with God and men. That must be talking about him growing as a boy and teenager in Nazareth. So you can imagine everybody spoke well of him. Everybody said, see how he treats his parents. It must have been a bit difficult being a, a young kid or being, you know, in, in the same class as Jesus at school. Do you know what I'm saying? Have you thought about that? Because it's like your parents, you know, why can't you be more like Jesus? Do you see what Jesus made for his dad on Father's Day? Did you see how well he did that chair, that carpentry? Oh, God, not Jesus again. Why can't, why can't you study the word of God like Jesus? Why can't you do well at school like Jesus? Why can't you be friendly? Oh, Jesus, you need to be more like Jesus. And you're like, oh, God, why am I in his class? But even his classmates liked him. They all liked him. There was just something on him that they liked. He grew in favor and stature. The elders of the uh, town of Nazareth knew about Jesus and said, what a fine lad he is. And uh, Joseph and Mary, we don't know how long Joseph lived. It seems that Joseph died sometime during Jesus' life. But while he was alive, I mean, how, how proud must he be? As the men of the Nazareth said, you know what, Joseph, there's something about your son. What a great boy. And Joseph was like, thank you, thank you. And all, all, the, all the wives, Mary would treasure these things up, and all the mothers would be saying, Mary, you've got a fine boy there. People loved him. People liked him. It was only the moment he stepped out into ministry that, do you remember at Nazareth? At the time he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And they were like, what is, this is amazing. Look at how he's speaking. It was his first sermon. First sermon. They were like, what was this? It's funny, when God's call is on you to preach, it changes you into another person. Well, you're still who you are, but something comes upon you. I remember in the early days when I began to preach and uh, people that knew me, people that knew me before I was saved, people, they were like, I couldn't believe it because they they saw such a change in me because God was on me. Do you know what I'm saying? And, and it was like, what is this? It's called God. Being on somebody, even a young man with a lot to learn, God, there's a God factor. And he gets up and he starts his preaching. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the gospel. And um, everybody's going, what is this? This is amazing. But then he starts to say, in your presence, this has taken place. And they got annoyed with him. And they tried to kill him, but they couldn't. But then in his ministry, I mean, he came off the back of the greatest prophet that had ever lived, John the Baptist. No one had a greater ministry than John the Baptist, not even Elijah or Elisha. Jesus said, he is the greatest that has ever come and John the Baptist i mean as i've said before he didn't need to find an auditorium with lots of good bus routes and tube routes he went out as far away as he could into the wilderness and he had such an attractive anointing that people followed him out there i mean how far would you go uh, for your favorite preacher if I, if you know what i'm saying how far would you go would you would you would you travel up and down great britain would you go out into the desert to hear somebody, your favorite preacher says, I'm holding a convention and it's going to be in the middle of the Sahara Desert, see you there. Well, that's what John the Baptist did and people still went because they were hungry. And he was just the preparation for Jesus and he was the greatest that had ever come. And then John says, you know, I'm not even worthy to untie or tie up your shoelaces. And then Jesus begins to minister And you see again and again, I was just looking through Luke, Luke, I was just flicking through the Gospel of Luke this week, studying this. And I saw the multitudes, the word multitudes again and again and again, isn't it? And the multitudes went out to see him. And everywhere he went were thronging him, thousands and thousands of people. He couldn't even sit in a house without people taking the roof off. I mean everywhere he went thousands and thousands of people he said he even said it's too much i've got to take you away get in a boat we'll go away and by the time he got to the other side the multitudes had overtaken them thousands of thousands of people because of this magnetic attraction of jesus nobody's been able to attract people today or throughout history like jesus did but one thing we also know is that Jesus was not just interested in the multitudes. In fact, although he ministered to the multitudes, had compassions on the multitude, actually, his heart was on, where are my disciples? He wasn't looking for a large crowd. He, he ministered to the crowd, but that wasn't it. He didn't say, I've made it. You know, many times today, if a preacher can attract crowds of thousands and thousands of thousands, it's like, well, I've made it. I've made it. You know if if I could go and fill the Albert Hall every week if I could go and, and and take Wembley Arena or the O2 and not you know and just fill it by my own preaching people would say wow that man's really made it in the ministry that man's that man's peaked but that wasn't the focus of Jesus I think it's a focus of I think a lot of ministers today would would covet the numbers but Jesus didn't Covert the numbers, he was looking for people that would follow him. In fact, although I've been talking about the great attractive qualities of Jesus, when Jesus saw this great attractive qualities, when he saw the multitudes, he began to sift them. You know what I mean by sift, sieve them, if you like. He's sifting them. Sifting them. Why? He's looking for followers. People that will follow him. The multitudes, fine, but that's not what Jesus' ministry was focused on. The multitudes. He was looking beyond or through the multitudes to those that would follow him. And so when we look in Luke chapter 14, verse 25. Luke fourteen, twenty-five, And we find the multitudes again. In Luke, Luke 14:25. Now great multitudes, not just multitudes. Now great multitudes. Luke 14:25. Now great multitudes went with him, and he turned and said to them, "I've made it in the ministry. Look at this. Look how many people are getting saved. It's revival. No, what did he say to the multitudes? He turned and said to them, "If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not hear, sorry, and whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple." For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? Lest, after he's laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish, or... Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It's neither fit for the land nor for the dunghill, but men throw it out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Powerful stuff, huh? I mean, trust Bruce Atkinson to pick a text on Father's Day that says, unless if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father. What's that about? <laughs> it's father's a day, for goodness sake. And, uh, but, but the whole context, from the moment I start that, it's the multitudes, great multitudes. And can you see, everything I just read to you is about following him. He doesn't change direction, and he gives two illustrations, and then he ends up saying, if the salt loses its saltiness, and salt are believers. You are salt and light, aren't you? But saltiness are disciples that follow Jesus. So in the end, Jesus is saying, if you've got ears to hear, it's possible for you to be a believer with no salt. And then although you're a believer, a child of God, if there's no salt in you, you really are a waste of time when it comes to what I, Jesus, want to do on this earth. I love you, you're going to heaven, but if you're not salty, I can't use you. Now, when he's talking about these two things, building and fighting, all right, he's saying if someone's going to build, they have to think through whether they've got the resources to build. If someone wants to fight, they have to see if they've got the resources in order to fight. And many people read that and think, oh, that's talking about us. That's somehow saying that when we want to plan to do something, we should think, can I do it? Will I carry it through? Or even that we, if we're thinking about following Jesus, have we we really thought it through? Are we prepared to do what we say? But you know what? That's not what it's really talking about. This is Jesus saying, from my perspective, he's saying this, he's saying to the multitudes, actually the great multitudes, he's saying, you want to follow me? Because I am going to build something, and I'm going out to war. And before I build something, and before I go out to battle for the kingdom of God, I need to know if I've got the resources and the, and the followers with salt to do it. So this is Jesus himself talking about, let me explain what type of people I'm looking through. He looked through the crowds and says, I'm looking for followers, Why are you looking for followers? Because I'm going to build a great work for my father. I'm looking for followers. Why are you looking for followers? Because I'm going out to battle. But I want to know if I've got enough followers to build the kingdom. And I want to know if I've got enough followers that will help me fight. Because if in the end I don't, then it's like having salt without saltiness. Can you hear? This is Jesus' teaching. So it's not so much the multitudes that Jesus is going to build on, but he's looking for the disciples, the true followers. And so that means, thank God for the multitudes. We're not even at the multitudes to dismiss them, are we? (laughs) Thank God for the multitudes because every person needs to hear the gospel. But you know, God's kingdom won't be built on just the multitudes. I mean, there are stories of revival taking place in different places. And the revival sweeps in and sweeps out. And loads of people get saved, praise the Lord, but nothing permanent is built. Why? Because the crowds got saved, thank the Lord, we need that, but there was very few salty ones. And so the crowds got saved, but Jesus couldn't build on the crowds. He was looking to build on the salty followers. He he couldn't fight the enemy and the enemy's forces with the multitudes. He had to find the salty ones to really do the job. I mean, it's a little bit like Gideon's army, isn't it? God says, don't need all these people. Don't need all these people. Well, they're all here, Lord. It's a great congregation. Great congregation. Look how we've built this army for you. God says, it's too big. Let's get right down to the hardcore followers because I can do more with 300 than I can with all these tens and tens of thousands. And, um, so, Jesus, when he says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. What does that mean? It means exactly what it says. I don't feel I can, like, tone Jesus down. Do you know what I mean? Say, oh, come on, Bruce, you know, give, give a bit more past. No, I'm, I can't. It's what Jesus said. Also, Jesus doesn't care about our families. What do you think? But I tell you what, for the salty ones. He's looking for people. And this isn't so much about hating your father because the Bible says you're meant to honor your father and mother, correct? This is how much do you love the Lord above your own family? Best thing you can do for your family is love the Lord. I'm serious. I'm serious. You know, over the years, I've loved the Lord and over the years, like many of you, I've made sacrifices, and not just me, but my family has made sacrifices for me to serve the Lord. Some people say, oh, we don't see your wife much. No, she's looking after my disabled daughter so that I can be here all Sunday. You hear what I'm saying? She'd love to be here, and we're arranging things where you where. God has given us breakthroughs where she can come more and we're excited about a new season that's going to come into our family because of provision from the Lord. She sacrificed. She's behi- behind the scenes because you're, o- you're only as strong as the wife that's behind you. You really are. You can't be in the ministry without a wife being behind you and willing to serve you. I've known ministers over the years in various places where the wife refuses to serve the anointing that's on her husband. I know she's got her own anointing, but but she refuses. To, this is somebody called into the full-time ministry as a preacher, minister. The wife refuses to do it. You can't minister. I couldn't be here without my wife. I couldn't do it. So this, but in order for her to sacrifice, she needs to put Jesus first. My boy understands at times over the years. But I have found this as well, and I'll just give you this. You see, I'm not talking about some minister that doesn't like his wife, can't stand his kids, and so spends every night at church. That's happened, you know. I, I knew one minister that had such an unhappy marriage, he was always ministering at church. Seriously. He never went home. And people are oh, isn't he so dedicated to the ministry? No, he can't stand his wife. I'm not talking about that. So don't, you know, <laughs> talk about it. But I found this when you bring up children. It's Father's Day. Here's a piece of advice that I've found to work, and I've lived it, modeled it. It's quality time even more than quantity. Quality time. Quality time. In my life, I haven't always had the quantity, but I tell you what, I've made sure I've had the quality time. You know, when if, I have, if, I, if I have to spend some with my daughter at the moment, um, at the moment, I'm seeing her about once every two weeks because of schooling and everything like that. And holidays, it's going to be better. But I tell you what, and when she comes home for a weekend, I see her on Saturday. I'm here on Sunday. Some people would say, we'll take the whole weekend off. No, I'm serving God. But when I'm with her, if you see me on Facebook, we're down to beach. We're at the farm. We're doing things. And we have more quality time together, more experiences, more memories in those few hours than some people who let their kids watch telly every night. They're in the same house they're, they're with them. Oh, I'm not coming to church on Sunday. I'm, I'm having family time. Really? Well, I hope it's quality time. Because you can have family time and it can be meaningless. You know what I'm saying? So when we're talking about hating family, we're not, we're not talking about dishonoring your family. We're saying that if you really put Jesus first and take care of your family and Jesus and put Jesus first in the times, you have to put Jesus first. And it's modeling the honor of God by doing that. And then that's what Jesus wants. The Lord first. And it's not just family, but it's everything. I'm just using that as an example. Quality time. Not, it's the same with your wife. Quality time. Some people spend loads of time with their wife, sitting there watching EastEnders. <laughs> but when was the last time you took your wife out for a meal? When it wasn't her birthday, it wasn't Christmas, and it wasn't Valentine's Day. When was the last time? When was the last time you brought her flowers? Now, don't get me going. i sort going on what wives should be doing. <laughs> well, no, it's in, but this is, this is important because if we don't understand how to honor the family, how can we serve God? But if the family doesn't understand God comes first, then how can the family be blessed? I've known people sacrifice God for family and then what do they end up having in the end? hear what I'm saying. I'm not trying to be clever tonight. I'm just throwing some things out for your thought because God will guide us all in this. And the emphasis, he says, and whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Well, what does that mean? Well, the first thing it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean bear his cross. He's already borne it. So this cross is a personal cross for us to bear. It's not me bearing Christian's cross, although I should bear his burden as a brother. But it's not like your cross. So you don't look at other people and say, sometimes you get this. Sometimes you get ministers come and preach and they say, they start telling you about everything that they've done and sacrificed for the Lord as if you have to be a carbon copy of them. And they tell you their sacrifices, their hardships. And and it's like, my God, is that what you have to do to get the anointing? And they tell you it is. But you see, whether or not they should have gone through those things or not, that's their cross. And, and, God, and Jesus is saying, carry your cross. It does not bear his cross. So what is this? It's nothing to be fearful for one. It's a designer-made cross for you. It's perfect for you. And as you follow the Lord and deny yourself, you will grow mature, become a friend of God, and grow in stature of wisdom with God. The cross was never meant to be a defeat. It's a pathway to resurrection, anointing, and victory. You can't have resurrection unless you have cross, unless you have death. And you can't die unless you trust the Lord. Because I don't know about you, but the bits in me that have yet to die, believe it or not, there are some, a lot. Those little bits in me that have not yet died, those are little bits that don't trust God enough. Don't trust Jesus enough. Oh, I'm not sure about this. God is calling for saltiness. And then he says, says, um, uh, yeah. The focus is not carrying across so much as following Jesus as putting him center. Now, let let, let me go to somewhere else to show you that Jesus is looking for salty Christians to build with and fight with. It's not just this passage. Please turn to Matthew chapter 16. Because he says the same thing in a different way. Matthew chapter 16. Now, we'll start. We'll start at verse 24, but then we'll go back and see it in context. Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So here here Jesus is saying the same thing. If you want to follow me, you can be in a crowd. We're in a crowd here tonight. But if you want to follow me, you have to deny yourself. You see, this is the cross. You say, take up your cross. What is the cross? It's denial. What does it mean? It means that as you go through life and you make your decisions, you choose to go Jesus' way. And this happens time and time again. Time and time again, little decisions as well as big. Time and time again, every day, there are moments where you can follow him and deny yourself. Follow him and deny yourself. And every time there's a denial of self to follow Jesus, guess what? There's a mini-death and there's a mini-resurrection. Every time. Every time you deny yourself in order to follow. This isn't denial for denial's sake. There's lots of people that deny themselves. We've got a lot of staff members that deny themselves every day in the gym. We've got quite a few people on staff, aren't they, Christian? And they're, are you, do, you, do you go down the gym every day? Good lad. There's a lot of people, that, and, and they go down and they deny themselves in the gym. And I'm not saying it's wrong to go to the gym just because I don't go there. But that's not the type of denial we're talking about. There's lots of people that deny this, that, and the other for many different reasons. I'm not talking about denial for denial's sake. I'm just talking about denying yourself for Jesus in the little decisions. And every time there's a denial, however, little, however small or big, for Christ, not for anything else, not interested in denial for anything else. Denial for Christ It's for you, Jesus. There's a mini-death and a mini-resurrection and a mini-I-did-it-for-the-Lord. And carrying your cross is a day-by-day thing. So it's, Some people think, oh, one day I'll come to the altar and I'll sing I Surrender All, which is the only song I refuse to sing. I don't want to be religious or over-pharisaical, but I can't sing that song because i really do feel like a liar i just just, just the one song I, I just i cannot in all credibility some others i can sing in faith and i'm not there yet but I'm, i can't sing that song i hate that song don't ever play it on this platform when i am around and if and if anybody else does it you'll see me walk out the back door i'll be having a cup of cold fizzy water but enough about me more about you denying God, when, when you deny God, that little surrender, it's what grows. It's matured. You're not going to come to the altar. That Well, it's possible, but it's not going to happen in one night. The idea that you're going to be crucified in one crucifying experience and then, you know, wake up like a Reinhold bonky or somebody. It's not going to happen. It happens day by day, choice by choice. You grow stronger in carrying your cross, not weaker, the cross is not something you should fear, and following Jesus isn't sh- something you should fear. And if you're thinking, oh, my God, carrying my cross, Jesus says, my burden is light. Do you see, can I say something? Because the cross that you're carrying now is heavy. When you talk about carrying your cross, immediately people think, oh, God, what do I have to give up? What do I have to? What do I have to? Oh, the pain, The thing. But you see, the alternative cross that we carry every day, the alternative burden of self is heavier, more sorrowful, brings no blessing. The most miserable Christian is a backslidden Christian. They might think they're happy. They're not. They're on a road to disaster. And the most joyful Christians I've met have been the ones that are carrying their cross and learning to carry it they're getting more joyful. You know, we just have to trust the Lord. Those who seek to hold on to their lives, I'm not carrying my cross daily. No little deaths for me every day. I'm not going to look at this and start. No way I'm holding on to it. Well, you're going to lose your life. Because in the end, it'd be like, what was the point? Despair and discouragement always come into a Christian's life who doesn't walk the crucified path. In the end, that's why there's infightings. And uh, all manners of false doctrines, fighting, bickering, biting. Why does that happen? Because they're not even walking on the crucified path. So they get bored, frustrated, and they start trying to get their way through the flesh. Now, we've read that here. But if you lose your life, you'll find it. But here in verse 24, this actually starts a bit earlier. In verse 17, Jesus said, Blessed are you, Simon, as he said, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And verse 18, I also say to you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, number one, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Building, fighting, isn't it? I'll build my church. Jesus, in that other passage in Luke, said, when you're thinking about building something, and then the gates of hell will not prevail. What's that? It's fighting, isn't it? It's, it's the gates of hell closed. It's the kingdom of darkness saying, we own London. We own the world, London and the world for Christ. We've shut our gates to you. We, we own Saudi Arabia. We shut our gates to you. We own wherever you might think of. We shut our gates to you. And there's some nations spiritually that have shut their gates to Christ. And Jesus is saying, I'm looking for some salty Christians because we're going to break down those gates of hell. And gates are, are, the devil is is constantly trying to erect gates to shut the church out. What do you think is going on in politics? They're raising gates to shut the gospel out. Gates to shut the gospel out. Gates shutting us out. Casting us out of society. Gates. And so the devil sets up gates to keep the church out of nations, institutions, education, whatever it might be. The devil and hell are setting up gates because those gates are gates of hell. Why? Because they keep people in it. The gates of hell are there to take people to hell. So if education, for example, sets up the gates of hell, what that that will mean is this. Nobody in our school gets to to hear the gospel. Nobody in our school gets to hear Christian prayers. Nobody in our school sings hymns. No, in our school, they're going to come in not knowing about Christ, and they're going to go out not knowing about Christ because the gates in our school are shut and we will keep them in hell. I mean, I thank God for my little Church of England school in Yorkshire that I was brought up in, because we sung hymns, said prayers, and it gave me a start. You know what I'm talking about? There's kids going to school where they've set up gates against Christian education. Gates in every... And you can think of all the giants of society, can't you, how this happens? You know, we're not going to have Christians on our TV. We're not going to give time to the Christians in media. We're not going to give them. We're not going to give them access. We're not going to write about them well in our newspapers. What you do is the devil setting up gates because those gates ultimately, unless they're breached, those gates will take everybody in those gates to hell. But don't fear because Jesus says, I will build and the gates of hell will not prevail. In other words, we will break down those gates that the devil puts up in our lives, in our families, in our society. Nations with gates as brass right now. This is what missions month's all about. God spoke to Colin and, and told us to go to the places where the gates, well he didn't say it in these words, I'm paraphrasing, where the gates are hardest against the gospel. Help to break them down. So when Jesus says, but uh, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. This is after saying, I'm going to build my church. I'm going to come in for a landing now. So what we see in these two passages is this. That the difference between the multitudes and the crowds and the believers and someone that follows Jesus is that if we are a Jesus follower, we are builders and fighters. Builders and fighters. We are we are building with him, and we are going out to war, we're going out to battle, and we are the ones with him that are going to break down the gates of hell, because where there is no salty believers, where there's no salt, the rottenness steps in. You know what it's like in the old days without fridges, it was the salt that kept the meat from going rotten. No salt, rottenness. Where there's no salty Christians, no followers of Jesus, then the gates begin to be built. In that town, that nation, wherever you see the seeming triumph of ungodliness in all its forms, I guarantee it's because there's not enough followers of Jesus. And so, what's happening? The church is not being built. And what's happening? The gates are prevailing and growing stronger and bigger. And the walls of Satan and the gates of hell and the walls of hell are growing stronger with deeper foundations. They're getting thicker. And the opposite is taking place. But whenever people begin the journey, like I said, it doesn't happen in one night, but are open to this type of teaching that I'm giving you. You can see, can't you, how the Lord deals with me. This is, the, this is just what the Lord's been speaking to me this week, and I happen to be sharing with it you tonight. Um, I suppose in the sovereignty of God, He wants to share this with you tonight, but I don't normally... Bring what God is speaking to me and dealing with me and teaching me about into the services. Not normally, unless, unless he tells you. But this is how God is dealing with me. This is what God is speaking to me about where I should go and how I should move and, and what is required and what is expected. So I'm not telling you I'm there. I'm just telling you how the Lord is ministering to me. He wants fighters. We're far too passive. And firstly, I mean in the spirit, because boldness in the public place can only take place after boldness in the spiritual place. The people that know me, that really know me, know that I'm actually a very shy person. Often people laugh when they say, you're shy, well, you only see me in the place of boldness. In order for me to be bold, not even in the public place, but in new scenarios of people I don't know, I immediately become very shy. The only way that I can have any assurance or boldness is if I've been in the secret place. Because when, you, when, you're before the, when, you're boldly, when you're boldly before the throne of God, it gives you assurance and confidence to go out into the world. And sometimes in my life, where I've not been bold before God, I've been weak before men. I've been weak in circumstances, situations, and fears got on me, worries got on me, anxiety's got on me. I'm tempted to do it the world's way, or I want to just withdraw. I want to get away. Why? Because where's my boldness? I've got to be bold before the throne. When you've prayed through, when you've prayed through, this is why tongues are so important, because it keeps that power flowing. It keeps that strength. It gets your spirit ready for whatever's going to take place in the day. It causes you to do things and say things you wouldn't normally do. Why? Because you're spiritually alert, because you've been speaking in tongues for 10, 15, 20 minutes, whatever. And also, being bold before God means that you've dealt with what's being dealt with. And you know, when you're standing in that place, when you, when you take your place at the wicket, when it's your turn up, you know you've prayed. You know you've prayed. So you know it's covered. And you know God's going to use you. He's looking for fighters. So the first thing we need to do is fight in the spirit. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but spiritual for the pulling down of strongholds. Spiritual. Then you walk out into whatever arena God puts you in, the arena of mankind, the arena of this world. The battle's already been won. And then you have confidence and boldness to assault the gates of hell, and to tear them down, and to do battle against Hades, battle against hell, and all its doctrines, false religions, falsities, and you hit it with the, with the wisdom of God, but the boldness and confidence of a salty follower of the Lord. And that saltiness will be victorious. And then the building, we go out, we build, we pray for one another, we build, we build, we build, we build the church, we break down the gates. Let's just stand in the presence of the Lord right now. Hallelujah. Because God's building an army. And he's inviting us to step out of the crowds. I mean, Jesus, Jesus is looking at the multitudes of Christians on earth today not just here us in this place tonight but he's looking over the multitudes there's millions and millions and millions just open your heart to the lord right now open your heart there's millions and millions and millions and millions of christians multitudes and multitudes god is looking through the multitudes he's looking for salt and he's not looking for the best or the greatest he's just looking for the willing Even the willing that say, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but hey, help me, Holy Spirit. And you know, this is where the Holy Spirit comes in. This is where the Holy Spirit comes in because it's not you alone. It's not you alone. It's the Holy Spirit that empowers us, strengthens us. It's the Holy Spirit that gives us words to speak. It's the Holy Spirit that gives us his wisdom, his boldness. The Holy Spirit is the key to this journey. How could we preach a crucified life without the presence of the Holy Spirit? I want you to open yourself because the comforter is here tonight. The encourager is falling in this place. His name in the Greek is paraclete. The word isn't comforter, although he comforts. The word isn't even counsellor in John's gospel, although he is. The word is paraclete. And the word paraclete means this, called alongside. That's his name. I will send to you another called to your side, and he will help you, and he will teach you all you need to know for everything that you face, and he will bring to you the words of Jesus, and he will give you power from on high and clothe you with on high, and he'll give you wisdom and words that aren't your own and prayers that aren't your own and everything that you do. It won't be by your might or power, but by the Spirit. I mean, he's a real person. We don't pretend as a Holy Spirit. He's not some little kid's pretend friend. Open yourself, right? He's falling, he's touching. He's called alongside. Holy Spirit, we invite you right now. To fill us, anoint us, to step out of ourselves to be everything that you can make us be. Lord, we don't want to go spiritually naked into the world tonight. We want to be clothed with power from on high. Power to build, build people's lives up. Build up the brokenhearted. Build your church. Power to build. Power to tear down and fight the enemy. And fight with the weapon of the warfare that is the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. Praying and praying the victory of God. Why don't you just begin to sing and pray in other tongues right now, just as the Holy Spirit leads you. Every one of you. Let it, let's, let's just... Let's just prime the pump so that out of our inmost being will flow rivers of living water. Let the river flow from within and let's step into the river too. Let's call upon him. Jesus is looking for anointed believers to build and tear down, to build and to fight, salty Christians not by might not by power but by the Holy Spirit you can do all things things you can't do you can do with the Holy Spirit so build yourself up now let there be a flow of the Holy Spirit let the ministry team come to the front hallelujah just keep building yourself up If you don't speak in tongues yet and you're a Christian, come out to the front right now. We'll pray for you. Hallelujah. Let's, let's have a flow. Let's have a flow. because This is nice, but there's, there's, no, there's no living water, as it were, flowing through the music yet. So let's keep playing until we strike that flow call on the Lord you've got time now, call on the Lord call on him, go to that throne rise up rise up, cry out reach out if you don't speak in other tongues yet if you haven't got that gift, you're a Christian if you don't speak in tongues, come to the front, we'll pray for you you can get that powerful weapon in your armory that builds you up. Oh yes. Right where you are begin to worship him. The spirit of prophecy is here. Begin to prophesy. Now there's a flow. to a deeper walk with Him and the Holy Spirit. Ask the Lord to use you this week to be a blessing and a vessel of the Holy Spirit in your workplace, your neighbourhood. God would use you. If you ask Him, He will. Say, Lord, use me this week. Yeah. Builders and soldiers Where there's no salty Christians He cannot build He will not build He'll say I can't build here yet I don't have the resources The master will not build without the resources of those that follow him. He will not go out to battle against the enemy. He'll say, I don't have followers in this place to fight with, my body is not ready to fight, therefore the enemy must take this territory until I have salty ones, builders and fighters know how to warfare in the spirit and build on the earth builders and fighters builders and fighters tearing down the gates of hell in our lives people's lives the nation building God's church by his spirit Strengthening one another. Revival prayers ascending to heaven, clearing the way, pulling down strongholds in heavenly places, and praying through to victory. Let's puncture a hole in the heavenlies right now for London and the world. Let's say, God, do something. Let's pray for Missions Month. That's what I feel. Right where you are, begin to pray for July. Pray, puncture our holes in God, let your kingdom come. Let, you, let there be a flow from heaven to earth in Kensington Temple. God, we're coming to the throne of glory. We're asking you for your kingdom. Your kingdom to come. Your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven oh lord we understand the enemy's spiritual resistance but we press on in by faith to the throne of glory seated in heavenly places we say lord pour out your spirit let there be renewal and revival in our lives let there be god encounters Let the kingdom of God come more powerfully in this church and our lives. Holy Spirit, increase your influence. Let the gifts of the Spirit increase. Oh God, soften our hearts. Make us soft to spirit and the word. Lord, break through in our lives, we pray. Lord, we want change. We want to move to different levels. To take on different devils. Lord, work in our lives, trust and obedience and love, that we might be able to be carriers of greater anointing. We know we don't want to spoil the anointing. We want the crowds, but Lord, you're looking for disciples to follow you. Oh, Holy Spirit, teach us. Teach us how to follow him. Encourage us. Encourage us how to follow him. Show us the delights of Jesus, Holy Spirit. Reveal the Master to us in all his glory. Open our eyes that we might see fresh visions of Jesus in our lives and prayers. A fresh vision of the Master, Holy Spirit, we pray in our lives. Activate the eyes of our heart that we might see Jesus as he really is, Lord take the scales from our eyes our hearts are burning because we know he's speaking to us in these days but we would see Jesus we would see him in our prayer life and our word life we would see Jesus Holy Spirit do a work you said you would bring Jesus to us we ask Lord that you will uncover the master that you will draw us close to him you will bring the spirit of revelation that our eyes would be open to see him as he is and not as we just thinking to be. Show us the Lord of glory. Bring us the power of Jesus and his anointing to build and to fight. Oh God, if there be any. I believe the Lord is saying that some of us feel that the enemy is Teared down parts of our lives And we want to build His kingdom but We feel God God it's like the enemy has Come to destroy And to steal And I feel that my spiritual life Has been just Just smashed And God I need my spiritual life To be built again If you need God to build something fresh in your life tonight, leave your seat. We're going to pray the prayer of agreement that God will build in your life. You say, God, I need need a building. You're saying build my church. You're saying I'm looking for people to build it. God, I need need to be built up. I'm shattered. I need to be built up. If that's you, come and be prayed for. We will release, strengthen life. Have you up in the balcony? Come down. Others of you, you hear the call, the battle call of the Lord, for souls. The battle call of the Lord to pull down the gates of hell. But you feel that the devil's got some gates built in your life that are containing you. That the gates of hell are oppressing you, and the devil's built up fears. He's built up territory and footholds in your life and you saying, my God, you want me to break down the gates of hell? It's like, God, I need these gates to be broken down in my life, oppressions and depressions and addictions and patterns of thought, discouragement instead of encouragement and unbelief instead of faith. And these gates are holding you back in your life, if that's you, leave your seat, come down to the front, and tell us you need these gates of the enemy, these addictions, these thoughts, these patterns that are holding you back. And we will pray for you to be delivered in this place tonight. We will pray for you to be delivered from Satan's gates holding you back. And you leave your seat. We're going to. Praise the Lord right now, while this ministry goes on. is going to be celebratory praise, warfare praise, and victory praise. And some of us are going to get a fresh breakthrough. Some of us are going to get confidence to go back and build with Jesus again. To get built up. Some of us are going to get confidence and freedom to war against The enemy in all aspects of his war in our lives and families and workplaces. God is sending the Holy Spirit to fit us for service. You need those things as we worship the Lord. Leave your seat, come down, get your hands laid upon you to be strengthened and delivered for the work of the Master.
5: Spirit break in, Holy Spirit break out. Let your glory shine. Let your glory shine out. Holy Spirit break in, Holy Spirit break out. Let your glory shine. let you hear the Lord. Oh, oh, oh.
4: If you need healing in this place today, you've got a sickness, doesn't matter what it is, come out and let us pray in this outpouring of the Spirit on our lives and our consecrating. If there's any sickness in this place, believe God, come and be prayed for. You say, I've been prayed for, for this sickness before. Come again. Keep knocking, keep asking until you get your healing. Come to the front and we'll pray for you. Mm, say
5: Holy Spirit break in Holy Spirit break out Let your glory shine in, let your glory shine out Holy Spirit break in, Holy Spirit break out, let your glory shine in, let your glory. And fill every heart Oh Say yeah. yeah.
0: well wonderful to have you worshiping with us today thank you so much the team for their worship tonight if you want to take a pen for your dad as one of the special guests, the Kentita temple pens come up to the front here we've got a few left over otherwise god bless you enjoy the rest of your weeks we'll see you next week for a special time with the lord see you very soon god bless